Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to Iggy Sports Talk. I am your host, Jake Ingzuski, or Iggy for short. And I greatly appreciate you taking this time to listen to Iggy Sports Talk. This is your first time listening to this podcast. I not only talk about sports, but I bring on guests to talk about their experiences in life and how they've been able to overcome challenges and relieve their mental health. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on whatever audio platform you're using so you get notified for weekly episodes. And also do me a favor and rate and review this podcast so more people can find it. Also, just so you know, if you want to watch this podcast through video version, go over to the YouTube channel at Iggy Sports Talk. You can also follow my Instagram for weekly clips from each episode. Now let's listen in to this week's episode of Iggy Sports Talk. I am here with Ann Murphy, who is a longtime Red Sox season ticket holder, also a cancer survivor, and has also been a part of the Jimmy Fund. So how are we doing today, Ann? Good, Jake. How are you? I'm doing good. It's It's been interesting weather here in New England. It's It keeps on going from sunny down to super duper cold and people are wondering why they're getting so so sick i mean like two days yeah. ago it was like 60 degrees and now yeah. we're down in like 35. well this is very typical weather for new england some would say yeah. highs and lows every day you never know what you're gonna get exactly you you really never know what you're gonna get <laughs> but i, I want to sort of start off with um with you talking about your experience uh, unfortunately with cancer, as, as I mentioned, um, you're a cancer survivor. And, um, you, you said, you said before we started this, that, um, you're, you're essentially cancer free for the last 47 years. So just talk a little bit about that. Right. So, well, I'm 49 now, um, which a lot of people, you know, are hesitant to talk about their age, um, women, especially, but, um, I'm very proud of the fact that I've made it 49 years because I really wasn't I don't think I was expected to last 24 hours when they found my tumor. So um, in that way, I'm very, very thankful for every day. Um, In terms of when I was diagnosed, I was diagnosed when I was 17 months old. Um, My mom had been changing my diaper at the time and she realized something was amiss. So she brought me to the doctor who then referred me to Children's Hospital um, and then also oncology at Dana-Farber. And so it's there that they did all of the tests and um, found that I had a tumor that was essentially, you know, wrapped around um, pretty much all of the organs in the lower part of my body, um, stretching up to my urinary tract and uterus and all of that. And so, you know, the tough call, I think at that time was because it was like 1974, there wasn't a lot of, you know, there was still a lot of research to go on how to treat cancer. particularly that kind, it was very, very rare to have an infant with um, the type of cancer that I had. Um, So I think the, you know, the call at the time was to save my life at all costs. And so they just sort of went in, removed um, the tumor, but in in essence had to remove a lot of my organs and um, along with the tumor. So you know, a lot of it, a lot of my experience, my medical experience, my history um, is is less to do really with like the cancer treatment itself, but more the after effects of, you know, losing all of those organs and, you know, trying to deal with some of the things that sort of come about as, you know, as a result of having to go through all that. 
Wow, that, that's incredible. And you said it perfectly. Like you get every second once in the, in this life. You could you could literally die in, in the next few minutes. Obviously, knock on yep. wood. But it's, yep. it's it, it's a really good mindset to have because it makes you grateful for every single day that you wake up. But um, what what are some of those complications that you've dealt with um, since finding that out so young and um, dealing with it all throughout all this time in your life? Right. So I think like. Um... You know, in my experience, because I was diagnosed so young, a lot of this, a lot of my um, cancer treatments, so to speak, um, chemotherapy and radiation, that occurred when I was, you know, in a toddler, so to speak. Um, you know, I lost my hair. Um, a lot of my baby pictures are, are just me with like a fuzzy little head, bald head. Um, and I don't, personally remember a lot of that time. Um, I do remember certain, you know, certain memories do come out like of me being in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll get a, a smell or something and it takes me back to like, oh, like that's not a smell I enjoy. And I think that, you know, the mind has a, has a weird way of bringing you back to times when either good things have happened or bad things have happened. And so I think I've had those experiences as well. Um, in terms of like, how it's affected me, I think um, what ended up happening was because I, I lost um, my bladder in the surgery, um, I lost my uterus, my ovaries, my fallopian tubes, everything. And so the after effects of those surgeries is what I had to deal with as a, as a young girl um, and as an adolescent. And so that was where it got a little bit tricky for me in terms of my mental health. Um, I think growing up, you know, a lot of times my way of coping with it was to just pretend that I was normal mm. and that like, you know, nothing was wrong. So I think now I'm, you know, as an adult, a little bit more equipped to deal with, you know, some of the, you know, the after effects of the cancer, um, you know, all of the things, the surgeries that I had to go through and things like that. Right. I don't look at it as a big deal. Like a lot of, even when you asked me to do this podcast, I was like, ah, you know, what am I going to talk about? Like, it's not very interesting, <laughs> but you know, other people say that it's interesting. So I think that that again is my way of kind of shielding myself from, you know, maybe the potential true feelings behind the, right. um, the effects of the cancer. Yeah, I know what you mean. And, um, I, I can't even imagine like just growing up with hearing that news, you know, and um, <clears throat> not really understanding what life would be like, like you said, like normal, because mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it's something where like one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to get you on the podcast is because is I enjoy telling people stories that are unique in, in overcoming challenges, because, you know, so many times in our society, especially now, like kids my age, like if they mm -hmm. don't get more than like 10 likes on Instagram posts is the end of the world or something, or if they get into a stoplight for way too long, like it's it, like, they start freaking out. But at the end of the yeah. day, like you, you could go through experience that you went, you went through, you know what I mean? And I, I yeah. like to, I like to bring up those stories. So then people kind of take a step back and look at a bird's eye view and be like, wow, my life is actually really good compared to, you know, how, what, what it could be. Um, mm -hmm. And I bet I bet the mental health issues with, with just especially going through all those surgeries, like when is this going to get better? Um, right. It's been kind of tough, but it's it's something where like sort of what you went through um, with everything's fine is, is sort of how people 
kind of kind of have always gone about like mental health everything's fine mm -hmm. we don't have to worry about it um and what's yeah. nice is that now society is starting to um bring more ways to help mm -hmm. i think you know it, and it's funny i think if you were to ask um even you know some of my closer friends from growing up or high school a lot of them probably wouldn't have even known that i had cancer i just never talked about it mm -hmm. and um you know i think as I got older, I could see like, you know, I accepted it a little bit more and I could see that, you know, there were other people who had similar experiences to me. Um, you know, I remember being, I think I was still in college at the time and I went to um, this camp in Connecticut called the Hole in the Gang Camp. And um, it was established by the actor Paul Newman Oh wow! from Newman's salad dressing, you know, and yeah. all that. Um, and so I went there, I think that was like really my first introduction to like other cancer survivors, um, their experiences. And actually I sat around, you know, some of the tables and talked to people and I was like, my story is not as bad as some other people's stories. So when you think like everybody's problems are relative, it's, it's really true. Um, and what I, you know, what I went through in the past, really it, made me who I am today. So mm. for a lot of reasons, I'm very thankful. Like I wouldn't have what I have today if, you know, things had been different probably. Yeah. Um, so for that reason, I, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways to see the silver lining in things mm. and to feel gratitude. Um, and, you know, if they, if, if the treatments that they gave me at those two hospitals didn't work, you know, I wouldn't have had the last 47 years. Right. So even in those situations, I kind of have to take take a step back when I'm having a bad day, whether it's like road rage or, you know, the long line at the grocery store. You know, a lot of times I'm like, OK, relax. You know, this is not the worst thing. So, yeah, I think everybody everybody's problems are relative. Yeah. But there's always a case where somebody's way worse off than you are. So it's always good to take a step back and really reflect on that, I think. Yeah, I completely agree with that, especially just looking at the positives in every single situation. That's all you can really do. Everything happens for a reason. And you said it perfectly. Like we all go through the experiences throughout our life that make us into the person that we are today. And um, yeah. I think it's really interesting as well how uh, you were able to get involved with the Jimmy Fund as well. For, for people who mm -hmm. don't know what the Jimmy Fund is, it's community-based fundraising events uh, that benefit the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. And uh, they do some amazing fundraisers. They they partner with the Red Sox and Nesson. And I think this past year, it seems like each year that they do it, they raise millions and millions of dollars to help out cancer patients. But um, when did you first get introduced um, with the Jimmy Fund? So I was, again, real little at the time. Um, so um, I guess when I was treated, we didn't really call it the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. We always called it the Jimmy Fund. Like if I was going to my appointments, my, my mom and dad would say, we're going to the Jimmy Fund. It was like the Jimmy Fund was the actual building. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's because like that, that's where all the warmth came from was, you know, a lot of the fundraising and the donations that come through the Jimmy Fund are for programs that really help kids that are in the midst of all these um struggle. So when I would go there, you know, there'd be like, you know, fun things to do. There'd be like 
playrooms. They had pinball machines. I'm dating myself again. Um, and, you know, just like lots of different cool things to kind of keep your mind off of the fact that you are a patient, you know, the, and the building itself, like when you would walk in the, the outside of the building was, you know, concrete building, but you would walk in and it was like very much like kind of a fun house in a lot of ways. Some of the way the rooms are decorated and stuff like that. Um, so I was like real young when I, you know, became a Jimmy fund kid, if you want to call it that. Um, and, uh, I just remember, you know, they did different things with us. Um, and then just most recently, like over the last, I don't know if it was early two thousands at some point, they had a 50th anniversary between, um, the time that the Jimmy fund and the Red Sox sort of had a partnership together, um, and I believe that was started by Ted Williams, although I'm not sure. But um, I think at that 50th anniversary, they invited a lot of us long-term survivors as well as current cancer patients to come onto the field at Fenway Park. And that was my first time like on the field at Fenway Park. It was before I had like one of the tours even. So it was like a magical moment for me as a longtime Red Sox fan to be able to come out of the you know, center field garage doors with like a whole throng of people. And right. um, it was really, really great. Like the crowd went wild and it was, it's just a nice experience, I think, to be a part of that whole um, community, I guess. And, and the legend behind the Jimmy Fund, I think is really great. That's incredible. And uh, it's, it's something where with that experience at Fenway, the only time that they really open up like those center field doors is when, you know, they're, um, memorializing a player or like as they did mm -hmm. with Dust Majora this past year and, or when like they win a championship and they have all like the old players come come out or something like that but that's incredible mm -hmm. that that you were able to have that opportunity and um you said that the crowd went wild what, what does it feel like kind of like <laughs> on the field because you know Fenway's electric and I feel yeah. like it's one of the best atmospheres in sports so what was it kind yeah. of like everybody giving you a round of applause yeah, that was pretty awesome. I must say, like, you know, I think as a fan, you don't really realize how loud the crowd is until you are kind of like in the on the field. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, it was really great. I, we did. I think they had choreographed something for us where we kind of all um, made like a 50th or a 50 assign, you know, a 50. We all went into formation, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So I, and I remember looking at it afterwards and you could see like somebody had taken like a, either, you know, a picture from um, a helicopter or a plane or whatever, but you could see like the big five zero. Um, that was fun. And I think I'm pretty sure that was before drones, but I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I just think that there are a lot of different things that like I've been able to do in terms of, you know, just little activities like I spoke about or, um, you know, one of the things that I was somewhat proud of was early on, um, I think when I was in my early 20s, again, I was feeling a little like lost and didn't really know like where to reach out to people for support. Mm -hmm. And so I had met a woman at the Dana-Farber who's still there, actually, Dr. Lisa Diller, and she's very much like a part of the um, long-term survivors clinic and, and the Jimmy Fund. Um, and she helped me and some other people kind of put together a long-term survivors group. Um, so that was really great because I think at that point in time too, I was looking for other people who had similar experiences to me, but I also wanted to do something 
you know, that would help other people and like kind of bring us together, do fun things. So we were able to, I think we went to a couple of Red Sox games. So, you know, those donations go to, you know, doing things like that, like giving young adults and kids opportunities to do things that they might not ordinarily do. So it was nice. Um, and, you know, I think as a Red Sox fan, I was always like, okay, what are we, what can we do this, this time around that will, you know, get us close to the park <laughs> and like, and then other people in the group would have other interests. So I was always, you know, pulling for all the Red Sox experiences. That's awesome. Yeah. It must've been really cool, especially at a young age, being able to like go to Fenway park and mm-hmm. uh, especially now being able to do it on a regular basis as a season ticket holder. Um, right. I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, how long, have you, how long have you been a season ticket holder for the Red Sox? We, um, we have been season ticket holders for um, since 2003. So oh, per- perfect time to get the season tickets yeah. right before the championship yep. started. <laughs> I know. So they had a really great season 2003. They unfortunately, you know, kind of lost it in the end to the Yankees in 2003. Aaron Boone. Um, but I remember a friend of mine from work had told me about like the different ticket packages that were coming out. And, you know, it was definitely at the time, my husband and I were living in an apartment. So, you know, it, it wasn't like we were flush with money, but <laughs> we were kind of like, let's do this. Um, so we, you know, we purchased the tickets. We had two tickets first, um, in the bleachers right behind the bullpen, um, the Red Sox bullpen. Uh, and then I think a few years later, I'm not really sure what year it was. We added a third ticket. Um, and they, it's funny, they keep calling us to see if, you know, do we want to upgrade? Do we want better seats? But we love our seats in the bleachers. Mm-hmm. We consider ourselves like total bleacher creatures. And <laughs> we love the people that sit around us. We've made, you know, friendships and everything with um, other season ticket holders around us. So it's it's a nice community there, too. That's pretty cool. The first thing that I think of is a uh, fever pitch when Jimmy Fallon walks up and he's got all these people around him. He's like, oh, yeah. my God, he's like, <laughs> yeah, you lost all this weight in. in uh, yeah. I remember Drew Barrymore like sits down and she's like, you know, all these people He's like, yeah, this is like my second family. So that must be mm-hmm. pretty cool being able to have those uh, relationships through that experience. Yeah, it is. It's fun. It's pretty fun. Yeah, I bet. And um, so like you you started um, in 2003 getting the season mm-hmm. tickets and um, you you must have seen some, some pretty incredible moments, whether it's in like the playoffs. Have you have you ever been to like a playoff or World Series game? Yep, we've um, every year we get to at least one if they're in the playoffs, we mm-hmm. get, get the chance to um, have at least one playoff game. So I've been to a couple of you know, ALDS series games. I have not yet made it to a world series game, but this season I would, you know, I had said no matter the cost I have, you know, if I always feel like this might be the last time or my last chance to see the Red Sox in a world series. So I'm always kind of ready for that moment, like that bucket list time when I pull the trigger and buy my world series tickets. Cause they're super expensive. Yeah. Um, so one of these years, I will go to the World Series, hopefully with the Red Sox there. But I'd like to go in any event. I, you know, I'm a fan of baseball in general. So if I have to go and the Red Sox aren't there, that's fine too. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I, I had the opportunity to go to uh, 
the ALDS game this past year when they clinched against the Rays. It was my first ever time going to a playoff game. And uh, it's, it's when they walked off and Kike hit the, hit the sack fly. And um, it, 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 I, I also went to the Bedroya game as well when they played the Yankees. And in in, as you can see right, right there, I'm, I'm a huge Bedroya fan. Um, mm -hmm. Those that the Bedroya one at the start was like my greatest sporting event I've ever been to. But that ALDS um, overarched it just because the atmosphere during a playoff game, especially when they clinched it and going to the ALCS, um, that was pretty incredible. But I I really, really thought that they, especially with how good they were doing at the start of the ALCS against the Astros, I really mm -hmm. thought they were going to make it to the World Series. Uh, but, I mean, with, with how good they did this year and nobody expected it, there's yeah. no way that they don't go to the World Series next year. I'm going to knock right. out. I'm very superstitious about the Red Sox because <laughs> you, never, you <laughs> never know. You never know. Me too. I have like all these crazy little things that I do and won't do when I'm watching the Red Sox. So everybody usually is making fun of me for those things, but I'd like to think that I have contributed in my own small way. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so it, it is always funny things. when you, it is always funny when you see like videos or something like that of, of like um, a guy coming, go, going to the bathroom or something like that. And, and then, and then they hit a home run. They're like, no, you got to stay in the bathroom. Like you can't come out of the bathroom and then this is going to be a big issue. Um, mm -hmm. but throughout all your times, uh, going to the Red Sox games and, you know, seeing all these players go through is, is there any player in your mind that, uh, you really enjoyed watching and, and sort of, you were always excited to see? Well, I too, am a big fan of Dustin Bedroya. Um, I always tend to, I like the guys that are the unexpected kind of heroes of the game. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, not that I don't love, you know, the, the big poppies and everything. I love big poppy, but, um, you know, there are certain guys that like, I think have like dug deep mm -hmm. and they weren't expected to be, you know, the player that they are. Um, but just like the, the, the quality of effort that they begin, that they give to the game um, supersedes any natural talent that they might have. Um, so Pedroia, I mean, you know, he's like, he's one of those guys that just gives a hundred percent all the time um, to the point sometimes where you're like, Oh my gosh, he's going to hurt himself. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, you know, growing up, I was always a huge Jim Rice fan. Um, in my family, we do kind of an odd thing where each one of us in the family chooses a player that we sort of follow and mm -hmm. um, we're sort of attached to that player for long periods of time. Um, so for me, over the years, it's been um, Jim Rice. At one point, it was Jason Veritek. At now it's um, I'm a big Xander Bogarts fan, although he kind of disappointed me this last season. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's 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 fun. We kind of like do that every, you know, once you pick your player, as long as they're on the team for the duration, then you're kind of stuck with them. But, but um, I don't know. I think like when I, if I think back, I, I think probably Jim Rice is one of my all time favorite players followed closely by Veritech. That's cool. Yeah. My favorite moment, one of my favorite moments that I, um, I was not there for, but I sincerely wish I were there for, was the whole um, A-Rod, Veritech, oh, yeah. love in your face um, moment behind the plate. That to me is just classic. I have a picture of that up on my, um, my for my wallpaper on my computer. It's like my favorite moment in sports when he just like took A-Rod down. 
Probably not very sportsmanlike of me, but still. I, I I love it though because it's it's funny because now obviously now that A Rod is is like a, a reporter on Fox Sports he does a lot of stuff in business I have a lot of respect for him now after the fact um, when he was on the Yankees I hated him when he mm-hmm. was taking steroids I I thought he was a cheater I still mm-hmm. think he's a cheater um, but uh, anytime I watch that video of him in Veritech I the the Red Sox fan and the Yankees hater just seeps mm-hmm. out of me and i i just immediately go f you a rod f you yankees i hate <laughs> you oh my god and it's actually kind of funny because i went to a yankees game two years ago um and they weren't playing the red Sox; they were playing the orioles and so the, the yankees obviously won but um i was wearing my red Sox hat obviously because i'm not gonna mm-hmm. not wear my red Sox hat and uh, i was wearing a Derek jeter respect with like the two on it um so I, I was respectful to the yankees fans but we, we were in the train and, and they were chanting let's go yankees and um i got really frustrated and when we, <laughs> when we got out of the train like i was like really i was really timid i was i was like really tensed up and, and really pissed off my dad's like what's wrong like, we just went to a baseball game I'm like i hate the yankees i'm like i hate this like i'm like this is awful like uh i'm like i'm never going to a yankee stadium again until they, uh, other than when they're playing the red Sox and uh Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't get it. I'm like, you, you just, you just have to understand. Like I've like been groomed to like hate this team throughout my entire <laughs> life. And it's just tough mm-hmm. for me to hear them chanting. Let's go Yankees. Yeah. It goes both ways though. I mean, we're just as brutal to them when they're in, in our territory. So I guess, you know, we can, we can give it as much as they, they give it to us. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and, they, and, and, and thankfully, they, like, thankfully, the Red Sox really have redeemed themselves over you know, the last, you know, two decades. We've sort of come out of their shadow a little bit, which, you know, gives us a little bit more credit for I say us like I'm a member of the team, but <laughs> gives, you know, the Red Sox a little bit more um, to brag about, I guess you could say, or to have a footing to stand on when we're taunting them. Exactly. The bragging rights. I always say, go back to 2009. You guys haven't done anything since 2009. And then, and then when they bring up the 27 rings, I'm like, were you even born for half of those? Like, no, <laughs> like those happened in the early 1900s. Um, but, but that, that's, that's so funny. And um, I was just curious because I, I didn't mention this. Um, I'm, I'm uh, one of your, I'm your sister's um her son's best friend and uh, mm-hmm. your sister, Sharon, she, her, her favorite player this season was Christian Arroyo. Um, and you, you said that yours was Xander Bogarts, but was there anybody else on this, on this team that you really enjoyed watching? Um, well, Kiki, of course, Kiki, of course, say, yeah. um, loved him. Um, I was really impressed with Schwarber. Um, I thought he kind of like brought something to the team when mm-hmm. he was, when he was brought on. Um, I'm a, I'm a Nathan Evaldi fan. He's sort of my pitcher. So Love I thought, him. you know, he did a really great job the, the couple of times he was out there for us. So, you know, I mean, I think as a whole, this team was very cohesive and they sort of, you know, where one person might've been lacking some skill, the others would pick it up. And it, it got to the point, like in the playoffs where the lineup was just, crazy like there was nobody who was not hitting Mm -hmm. so it was fun to watch because there was never a point in time when we were like oh the bottom three is 
it's the, you know, the bottom of the order, you know, what's going to happen. It was always like, Oh, it's the bottom of the order. <laughs> Anything could happen, you know, that kind of thing. So that's yeah. always fun. It's good when it. there's like, not so much, you know, we didn't have, do we have like a, a, do we have a big poppy anymore who can like belt them out? Not really, but that I think this team proved that you don't really need that. Yeah, exactly. I, I completely agree. And I'm so excited to see what they do throughout this off season to continue to upgrade and, uh, you know, f- fight to get to the World Series in 2022. And ho- hopefully you can be there to watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm a huge Alex Cora fan. I know like he went through the whole thing with the with the um, cheating scandal and stuff. But um, I think he's a great leader. I think from, you know, what from what I can see as like an onlooker, I think he has the respect of his team. So yeah. for me, I just I, I love what he's doing with the team most of the time. So I hope he sticks around um, for the long haul. I would love to have another chance to um, go to a duck parade or, you know, do some of those things. Cause that, you know, that's actually one of the other things that's so great about being a season ticket holder is a lot of times they'll have special events at the end of the season that, you know, normal or regular people might not get invited to. And probably one of my favorite moments was, um, I think it was 2013 when they won. Um, and we had we had been given permission as t- season ticket holders to come in to Fenway and watch the team kind of give like a, a pep rally before the duck parade, That's duck boat parade. And we were sitting in the stands with a whole bunch of other people that were listening to all everybody give kind of a talk and everything. Mm-hmm. And um, after it was over, they all got on their duck boats and they left and there was like a police escort. They left out the center field garage area. And then like, as we were just left in there, you know, in the stands with nothing to do. And then all of a sudden people started like going onto the field and there was like no security, there was nobody around. So it became one of those things where like, well, if he's doing it, I'm doing it. So we ended up out on the field again. So it was my second time out on the field. I like laid in the grass. Um, and it was just funny because you could hear like one of the poor interns who was probably left behind going security, security, like <laughs> trying to get us all off the field. But at that point, it was a lost cause. I think that's probably one of my other favorite Fenway moments. Wow. Um, yeah, it's incredible. So, yeah. I just remembered that. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. That's that's one thing that like I've always dreamed of is um, being able to just go on the field or um they, they sometimes do like softball games or like you can do like BP at Fenway. That's something that I would want to do at some point. Um, obviously. Yeah, Mark did that. Yeah, Mark really, did that. Yeah. Obviously a bucket list item thing would be to hit one over the monster or just hit the monster. <laughs> I think it would be cool just to hit the monster. That would be pretty mm-hmm. cool. Um, but if I hit one out, I'd be like, all right, my life's complete. Like every, everything, mm-hmm. everything has, has been completed. Um, but the last thing that I just wanted to ask you, Anne, was, um, from your experiences through everything that you went through um, with cancer and everything like that, especially at a young age, if, if there was any advice that you know now or anything that you would tell your younger self to help yourself get through that, um, what would it be? So I think, um, I think when you frame it as what advice I would give to my younger self, that's a really good way to frame it because um, I think I think not unlike a lot of 
kids. And I should say I'm a, I'm a school psychologist. So I work with, you know, I do a lot of mental health work with adolescents. And um, so I know kind of, you know, I know that piece, that side of things. Um, I think what I would tell my younger self would be to not be afraid and to not, or, or not to be afraid to like speak out, um, to tell my story, um, to embrace the fact that I'm different, to embrace the fact that, you know, I've had some struggles and, but I've been able to overcome them. Um, I think a lot of times, again, I just was struggling as a teenager, as teenagers do to mm -hmm. fit in and be normal and not raise any red flags. Like, right. you know, I just wanted to be normal. And I don't really know that there is such a thing. You know, I think as, as older adults, you start to realize there's no such thing as normal. <laughs> like yep. some people do have it easier than others, but then like we were saying in the very beginning, you don't really know what's going on in other people's lives all the time. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's something that I try and preach on this podcast all the time is that what, what is normal? I, I would love to understand a definition because nobody's normal. I, I actually saw this uh, this shirt. I, I really resonated with is there's no such thing as normal. I'm just myself. I'm like, I really like mm -hmm. that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but I think that's great advice for anybody, um, whether you're going through a challenge or whether you're you're, you're, you're just living life. I, I think that, I think that's really good advice for anybody who's, who's trying to better themselves. Um, mm -hmm. but, and, and I, re I really appreciate you coming on today and, and sharing your story Ooh. and also talking a little bit about <laughs> the Red Sox, because, uh, yep. I don't, I don't think anybody, um, that, that is at least watching or listening has gone to as many Red Sox games as you have. So I, re I really appreciate it. No problem. It's my pleasure. Had fun. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP SmartSide today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save